This week's extended episode of We Are Send Network is an excerpt of a breakout session led by Rob Wilton from the May 21st Virtual Send Network Gathering. Rob's the lead pastor of Vintage Church and Send City Missionary in Pittsburgh. For more information and to register for the upcoming August 20th Send Network Gathering, go to sendnetworkgathering.com. Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Send Network. We're a family planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. We truly are Send Network. And uh, if you haven't seen me in a while or checked me out over the last couple of weeks, this is still Rob Wilton, okay? I've shaved the beard. Uh, the long hair is flowing right now. Uh, any other pastors or planters out there, uh, missing their barber right now. So I've just decided to bring it back old school. Uh, my wife is loving it. I'll just be honest, because this is the guy that she fell in love with. Baby face, long hair, you know, the whole flop, the whole thing. Uh, but I can't wait. I can't wait to get back to, to normal, much like you. Today, we're going to talk about planting his church, not yours. Uh, it's not my church. We're not talking about my church. We're not talking about Nam's church. We're not talking about your church. We're going to talk about planting uh, Jesus' church, and we're going to have some fun together. Um, here's the goal. We're going to spend the next 25, 30 minutes. I'm going to break down um, a uh, kind of time of teaching for us. We're going to turn to um, a passage in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, and we're going to look at Paul's uh, journey in planting the church in Corinth. So you want to go ahead and Open up your Bibles there. There is a handout attached here that you can access that will kind of have some notes. And then obviously we'll go through the slides together as well. And I want you to do this. Um, you can contribute by asking questions now. Uh, after about 25 or 30 minutes, uh, we really want to have more of a, a conversation. So Chandler's going to hop back on with me and facilitate some questions and uh, I say this all the time. Yes, I have planted a church in New Orleans in 2008. Uh, I've just recently, over the last year and a half, planted a vintage church in Pittsburgh. But to be honest, I still have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, people ask me all the time, how do you plant a church? I'm like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, because I've paid a lot of dumb tax. I have messed up a lot, and I've messed up in the first plan, I've messed up in the second plan. God calls me to plan again. I promise you I'll do it as well. So what do you know, Pastor Rob? Like, like help us out. Like, man, we want to know how to plan. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I do feel like I do know a few things, right? Um, I'm still as desperate for the grace of Jesus in and through me as I go to be his servant to honestly plant the gospel and then see a church blossom. This might sound a little crazy, but I actually don't love the title church planner. I like seeing myself more as a missionary that plants the gospel. And as we plant the gospel, a church um, is formed and created by God's grace. So I'm as desperate for uh, God's grace as I've ever been. And, and it's my hope um, that no matter who you are today, and I've kind of received some stats. We have, you know, some who are joining us today on this breakout that are, are church planters, and you're in the game. 
man, I love you, man. Church planters are my favorite. And uh, we want to serve you in whatever way we can. Some of you are supporting churches. And, and can we just, those of us who are church planters, can we just say thank you to all of our supporting churches that, that pray, that give, that go so generously. Uh, I just got a text message this morning from one of my supporting churches down in Texas. And uh, they just said, hey, we love you. We're praying for you today as you leave this conference. Man, I wouldn't be able to do it without our supporting churches, all of our incredible, generous partners. But then maybe you're here today and you would say, man, I, I feel like the call of God is upon my life right now as, as I'm seeking him and as I'm, I'm pursuing him. And, and I want a little more clarity as God's called me to, to perhaps plant a church, to take a leap of faith in this post, you know, you know during COVID-19 season. Um, man, I, I just want you to know, I believe that this word today is for you in all these different categories. This word is for you. And so um, I want to remind us of some big picture things as we consider planting his church, not yours. Now, first of all, I want you to know, you'll see behind me, um, I am at the beach right now. Um, after a winter in Pittsburgh, this New Orleans boy was straight tripping. I needed to go south to get to some warm weather so um a friend hooked us up with a, a beautiful place to go to the beach and we're at the beach i brought our arts pastor jake smith who's with me uh our two families uh jake and ally have five kids we have four kids they're all downstairs in the basement this airbnb came with some cool arcade games so if you hear some craziness even some fighting i apologize but such is life especially as we're having conferences like this, but I'm actually at the beach right now. And, and I, I would say this, I'm bringing this up. Maybe perhaps some of you need to be reminded that we plant his church, not our church by taking a vacation. I will tell you, we are in a very serious, very busy season in regards to our church in Pittsburgh. But over the years, I've learned that I need to, at certain points, stop working and start resting in him. I've just preached a series, Faith, Hope, and Love at Home. And, and God's word has promised us that when we abide in Jesus, um, these three things abide, faith, hope, and love. If you're here right now, you're on the brink of burnout, or you're confused, or you're like, man, I don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. Maybe God's called me to plant a church. How am I gonna fundraise? Where am I gonna go? How am I gonna hold my first worship service? I encourage you to take a break and actually rest in Jesus because when you rest in him and you abide in him, he does for you what you cannot do for yourself. So let's remember some, some big things as we jump into kind of the outline here. Let's, let's look at three descriptions of the church how amazing is jesus how amazing is his church number one i want to remind us of this jesus loves his church <laughs> jesus loves his church we are his bride revelation chapter 19 verse 7 says this let us be glad rejoice and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has prepared herself. 
Jesus loves his church. We are his bride. I, I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I can get so busy for Jesus that I forget about Jesus. And in church planning world, especially when you're doing everything, when, when you are the kids director, you're the worship leader, you're the pastor, you're the operations director, you're doing everything. You can get in such a grind that you forget about this love relationship that Jesus has with his church. So don't ever forget this. This is helping us lay a foundation of understanding why we plant his church, not ours. See, I can at different points stop because I actually need to stop working so hard for Jesus and start enjoying Jesus. So I don't know about you, maybe this is just me, this is my confession time at the beach, but uh, when I pull away to get with my family, it's so important that I reconnect. Um, maybe we need to reconnect to our love relationship with Jesus. Number two, Jesus lives within his church. I know this is not rocket science, you guys know this, you can preach this better than me. Not only does Jesus love his church, Jesus lives within his church. We are his dwelling place. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 says this, you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. How amazing is it that in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us, empowers us, Within his church, we collectively, as all who have been saved, who have been loved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we come together and Jesus lives within his church. We are his dwelling place. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that kind of terrifying as well? But it's empowering. It's empowering to know that as we unite together as his church, um, he truly does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Our mere path into becoming the church, for we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's the work of the Spirit of God. And so the work that we do as the church is the work of the Spirit of God. Which brings us to number three here. Jesus changes the world through his church. So not only does Jesus love his church, he lives within his church, but Jesus changes the world through his church. So we're not just empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we'd be, oh, we're the king of the castle. We're so awesome, right? No, he wants us to do work. He wants us to be salt and light. We are his body. We're not just his bride. We're not just his dwelling place. We are his body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. How amazing has it been to see the church come alive in this COVID-19 season? When I first moved to Pittsburgh a year and a half ago, it was so difficult for my wife and I to truly connect with our neighbors and see them come and get involved or even just attend one of our, our worship services. And it was amazing, like as COVID-19 started to hit, everybody's forced at home. My wife and I would go on these walks through the neighborhood, just kind of, we call them sanity walks to, to just kind of get our, our you know, uh, minds right, get a little break from our four kids. But, you know, as we would go, we'd start saying hi to neighbors. And I don't know about you, but I've had more conversations with my neighbors I've ever had. And what was really cool is we started to get towards Easter. 
we know of 10 different homes in my neighborhood that I was trying my hardest to reach, all watched our Easter service and heard me preach the gospel through our, our church online. What, what an amazing gift, what an amazing privilege, what an amazing blessing to not just be his bride, his dwelling place, but his body, his body. And so these are the overarching foundational things as to why I've entitled this, let's plant his church, not ours. I don't care if you came up with that name or if you created that website or that logo. I don't care if you were the founder. This is not your church. And there's something freeing about this. There's something liberating about this to remind ourselves that this is all about him. Jesus and his church. Um, I want you to know that in regards to Send Network, and, and we're going to show you a slide here. Obviously, uh, if you're here today, you should know something about Send Network, but um, we're here for you, and we want to do everything that we can. I have the privilege of not just planting a church and being a church planner, but also serving as the Send City missionary uh, for Team Send Pittsburgh. Uh, we're the best city in all of North America. So all the rest are second place or worse than that. We're number one. This is the place to be, especially if you're praying about planting a church. Holler at your boy. Let's make this happen. The Steel City is on the rise. We would love to have you. But Send Network, I'm just kidding. We love all our cities. Send Network, okay, is so incredible. When I planted a church the first time around in 2008, I didn't have what's available to people today. I didn't have uh, training and resources and brotherhood. And I'm going to talk a little bit about who Send Network is. Um, I didn't have these things. Um, we are at a moment in history, especially through the Send Network, where church planners have never, ever been more loved on, equipped, empowered than they have in this moment right now. And I'm so thankful for Kevin Ezell and his leadership and vision and informing the sin network and i just love all of our leaders the hottie just spoke to you man I'm, man his his movement of giving sin network a soul that we are sin network is just such an amazing vision that i'm all in on and i'm so thankful for it's been honestly a joy for me to plant a church again having all of these resources available to us so who is sin network let me share a couple of things first of all let me share about our values so we have three values um, the first value is family or brotherhood. We would call this basically like the great commandment. Um, then there's secondly, multiplication. Uh, we would call this the great commission. And then the third value is restoration. We would call this the great requirement. Send Network, we hope to plant churches everywhere for everyone. And every church that we plant, we want this DNA, these values to be who we are. This is not like, okay, well, that's good for them. No, this is who we are. We want to embed a DNA of togetherness and, and unity around family, around multiplication, and around restoration. Here's our mission. Our mission is very simple. We partner together to plant healthy. Healthy is defined in this way, that they are capable of reproducing so we will partner together to plant healthy multiplying is the second thing multiplying and you're going to hear a lot about this as you dive more into the send network we're not just talk with this we have 
full throttle divisions, equipping churches to think about these things. But we want multiplying to be this, that every church, okay, is intentionally discovering, developing, and deploying from within. So I've come into Pittsburgh, and yes, a lot of people moved with me to Pittsburgh too to plant churches. I'm also recruiting around the country. The vision, the goal for us is that the very people that I'm sharing with Jesus on the streets of Pittsburgh right now who don't know Jesus, that those new believers in the name of Jesus, we pray these people would come to know Jesus, would one day be church planners. We have a whole pipeline. We have a whole training. We have a whole process of discovering, developing, and deploying within. So here's the mission again. Our mission is to partner together to plant healthy, multiplying churches. So who is the SEND network? Because we don't, we, don't we don't talk about, oh, that's the SEND network. Like, no, we are the SEND network. Venice Church in New Orleans, Venice Church in Pittsburgh, we are the SEND network. Anytime I post anything within our church, I don't care if it's an outreach or a small group or an event or even one of my sermons, I always use the hashtag, we are SEND network, because we are owning this together. We are united in this vision together. That's what today's been all about. We can do more together than we ever can apart. Who's our network? Well, there's church plants can say we are Send Network. Supporting churches, we are Send Network. Sending churches, we are Send Network. And then lastly, multiplying churches, we are Send Network. Okay. And and our vision, okay, with the with the kind of aim of, of seeing everyone of our churches partner together to plant healthy, multiplying churches. Our vision is that every Sin Network church is a multiplying church in the making. And so maybe you're a pastor today and be like, we've never planted a church. Let's get started. We believe that you can begin this process of planting his church, not yours. If we can just be honest, where is the heart of God? The heart of God is in gospel multiplication, making disciples of all nations. And at the core, that's what this is all about. And everything that Vintage, that, that Send Network is about, I love how Kevin Ezell has just simplified. This is all about the gospel. That's why I say this, like I'd, I'd rather be called a missionary that plants the gospel than a church planter. But I get it. I am a church planter, but my real passion, my first love is evangelism and 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 just being man, a follower of Jesus that loves to tell as many people as I can about how much Jesus has loved me. And I know that that's your calling and that's your passion too. And so that's just kind of a foundation for us. Now I want to talk a little bit more X's and O's, all right? Um, I want to talk a little bit about our story of church planting. And, and, I, and I thought I would share um, kind of a little bit of our story uh, through the story that we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 18, verse 1 through 11. So this is what I want to do. Um, we're going to answer this question, how to plant his church, all right? We're going to answer this question, how to plant his church. I'm just not the sharpest tool in the shed, I'll be honest. I've got to do simple things. So um, I either use alliteration, because I believe alliteration is anointed by God, or I use acronyms. That's what we're going to use today, okay? So we're going to break down the word plant, all right? We're going to break down this word plant. Let's read Acts chapter 18, uh, verse 1 through 11 in its entirety, and then we're going to have some fun and break it down. Don't forget about the questions as we start to walk through this in a few minutes. 
We're going to have some fun breaking down um, some of these things and, and having a conversation, a dialogue together. Chandler will come back. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1 to 11, it says this. After this, he, being Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth. In verse 2, it says, where he found a Jewish man named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and being of the same occupation, stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. One of the things I love about the Sin Network is uh, you're not going to find one type of church plant in the Sin Network. We have everything from house churches to bivocational pastors planting churches to you know co-vocational planners to full-time guys. We're all over the board, and here's. Paul, and he's having to make ends meet. A lot of his letters, or even fundraising letters, he's hustling so that he can keep proclaiming the gospel and supporting churches are helping him. And so here's this amazing story. Check out verse four. It says, in Corinth, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. And it says in verse five, Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia. Paul was never by himself. How many of y'all think Paul was awesome? Try and find an example of Paul rolling by himself. He needed the church. He needed brothers. He needed family, right? That's what we're all about. There should never be a lone ranger, a lone church planner. We need each other. We have to do it together. So here's Silas and Timothy. They got his back, and it says Paul was occupied in this time with preaching the message and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul's not sitting in a coffee shop working on his logo for his church. He's preaching Jesus, right? We, we plant the gospel. This is what it's all about. This is what church planning is all about. Now check out verse 6. It says, but when they resisted and blasphemed, so here he's preaching Jesus. He faces persecution. He faces struggle. Paul says it. It says right there, Paul shook his robe and he told them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, forget your religious people. I'm going to the Gentiles. In verse 7, it says, so he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. He's a person of peace. I promise you, if you are sent by Jesus into a city. I, I just want you to know, God's been at work in that city. He's going to provide for you persons of peace that are going to open doors for you that already love Jesus. Here he connects with a worshiper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue that he just got kicked out of. I mean, God's in these crazy things. And it says in verse 8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue. So this shows you that Paul's work was not just a waste. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed the Lord. Praise God. Along with his whole household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed, and were baptized. And then check out verse 9, then we're going to break this down. Verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Paul in a night vision. People are getting saved. God's doing amazing things. But you know it's hard. You know Paul is nervous. You know that 
after being beaten up, he's got some scars, he's got some war wounds, he's got some, some battle fears. Look at the mercy, the grace of Jesus. See, we plant his church, not ours. Jesus is in this church planting thing, I promise you. And Jesus, through a vision, through a dream, says this to Paul, don't be afraid. That's for somebody right now. Don't be afraid. I know it's hard. I know COVID-19 took away right now even your place to be able to have a church plant. I got friends all over the country. They can't even have the building, the school that they were meeting in because of this crisis. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to open back up. God's telling you right now, don't be afraid. I got this. Don't be afraid. God says to Paul, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. <laughs> be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'll just be honest. I'm preaching to you right now. I'm really preaching to myself. I'm at the beach right now trying to remind myself to not be afraid and to hear from the Lord this encouragement to keep on speaking and don't be silent. Why? Because verse 10 says this. Look in 1 Corinthians. I mean, sorry, in Acts chapter 18, verse 10. Jesus says, for I am with you. Somebody needs to repeat that right now. I wish we had a full-fledged chat going right now. We could all say this. How many of you guys have been enjoying preaching, saying, put it in the chat. Start hitting thumbs up or, or hearts right now. This is the time to put some hearts, some thumbs up. We need to say this, amen, over and over. Jesus is declaring something to us today. For I am with you. Jesus says this, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. In verse 11, it says he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. All right, so let's have some fun breaking this down. The word plant, the word plant. Point number one, how to plant his church. The word P, pursue his call. Pursue his call. It says in verse one, after this, he left Athens and he went to Corinth. You guys know this enough when it comes to Paul. Paul was not operating according to his plans. He had answered the call of God. So if I could tell you real quickly the story, um, I was born and raised in the city of New Orleans, first generation American, my whole family's South African. Um, and so I was born in the city of New Orleans. My dad was an evangelist for the Billy Graham Association. Uh, became a teenager. My dad accepted the call to First Baptist Spartanburg, South Carolina, where he's been for 20 plus years. And um, I grew up in that church and uh, fell in love with Jesus even more in that church. But I was actually saved in the city of New Orleans as my dad preached a revival at the East Edgewater Baptist Church in New Orleans East. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'd heard my dad preach that sermon a million times. Y'all know if you grew up in the church back in the day, revival preachers only had about five sermons. So I'd heard this sermon my whole life, but the Spirit of God called me unto salvation. And so I'm up in Spartanburg and end up, um, you know, honestly, uh, cruising through high school. I go off to college to play college basketball. And, and truthfully, I'm, I'm running from God's call upon my life to be a minister of the gospel. 
And after running from God my first year in college, how many of y'all know you got to go through a valley before you hit a mountaintop? Um, God brought some divine appointments and his scripture into my life. And he called me to throw down my nets and follow him. He said, Rob, it's not about your dad. It's not about your family. I'm calling you. And I want you to follow me. And so threw down my nets and started this journey in ministry. My wife, Annabeth, and I dated through high school. We get married. I start out in sports ministry with Upward Sports. I go to the city of New Orleans, pre-Katrina, start doing some things with David Platt and Robbie Gallaty in New Orleans. We start praying for revival. Hurricane Katrina hits. And after Hurricane Katrina, my wife and I, we lose some things. God calls us again. He calls us to return to New Orleans. I serve as the mission lab, camp pastor, director, rebuilding the city physically and spiritually. And through that opportunity, my wife's a massage therapist. And yes, it's being awesome. It's awesome being married to a massage therapist. I want you to know, we get to know, we get to know one of her coworkers. By God's grace, much like we just read in the story of Paul, we have the blessing of leading one of my wife's co-workers to the Lord. And God uses that story to call us off the seminary campus and into the heart of uptown New Orleans to plant Vintage Church. We start gathering in the fall of 2007, and then we get into the spring of 2008. We start from one small group. We multiply to about seven small groups by the fall of 2008. And officially, we launch in the fall of 2008. I'll never forget, we met in a club, kind of above a gym. We ended up turning that into our Vintage Art Center. And guys, over the next few years, just an amazing story of God's grace. I was 27. I had no clue what it meant to plant a church. My dad had always told me, if you see a new church, it means that one church got mad at each other and they went two different ways. That's what I knew about church planting. But we just kept preaching Jesus. We kept lifting high the name of Jesus. God kept saving people by his grace. And man, it was an exciting time. Over the course of eight years, our church in New Orleans, our church in New Orleans moved 13 times. The slogan for our church was, we're a cool church if you can find us. Eventually, we merged with a, another church that had a building, no people. We had people, no building. We became one. We do this whole building expansion project, and um, I, I finish everything, fundraising, all that. I stand up to preach a message that most pastors would say, this is the grand opening of a church that you've worked almost a decade on. This is the moment where you finally arrived. And when I stood up to preach, where Jesus declares, I will build my church. I had just wrapped up my doctoral stories, uh, studies in church planting. And God had started speaking to my apostolic calling to plant a church again. And when I stood up to preach in this brand new built room with the place packed, the Lord told me I was done. And he called me to plant again. Now, I don't have time to share with you all that story. I almost ended up going to Orlando, Florida to do some things there. When that didn't work out, uh, don't be mad at all the different steps that you're going. God, his providence and his divine um, intervention in your life is active and at work, even when sometimes you feel like you're making a mistake. But it was through the Orlando thing that I basically got on the radar of the North American Mission Board to pray about going to Pittsburgh. And I'm not I forget when Kevin Ezell and Micah Milliken said, what do you think about Pittsburgh? My wife and I, just being honest, we started looking at other cities. And then they were like, don't knock it till you try it. 
we went up there, and the moment we landed in Pittsburgh, God called us. Now, why is this important? I can tell you all the things that God's done over the last year and a half, which have been unbelievable, as we're now in two locations, serving Jesus, seeing people come to know Christ, making disciples. I could tell you about all this, but I could also tell you about some really tough times in planting a church again. And if I didn't have an assurance of, number one, my calling unto salvation, but number two, my calling to plant a church, I would have quit this a long time ago. My grandfather, who was a minister of the gospel, always told me, Rob, if you can do anything else but ministry, please do it. Please do it, because it's not going to be easy. Listen, if you want to know how to plant his church, pursue his call, because there's no power in your plans. You've got to answer his call. How do we do that? I always tell church planners to think about a number of things. As you walk through the word of God, as you walk through the word of God, um, pray, discover your passions, those gifts, the things that nobody has to pay you to do. Those are from God as you walk through the word. Um, what have you done? As I coach church planners, I'm not interested in just hearing what you want to do. No, what have you done? So performance, prayer, passion, performance, people who around you are also saying, yep, you need to plan a church. Everyone around you saying, nope, don't plant a church. Please don't plant a church, especially if they're godly wisdom in your life. And then lastly, places. Sometimes God breaks your heart for a city like he did me and my wife in Pittsburgh. He broke our heart in New Orleans for a season. Now he's broken our hearts for Pittsburgh. Pursue his call. Number two, love his people. Love his people. And so we're breaking this down. P, pursue his call. L, love his people. What did we find? Paul here answers the call. He goes to Corinth and he immediately connects in with people of peace. These believers that know Jesus, that are ready to receive Jesus, that are ready to open up doors. And it's so cool to see how um, everywhere Paul went, God was ahead of him. I've seen the same thing. When I went back to New Orleans, God was ahead of me. He was so far ahead of me in the call that he called me to. One of my favorite passages is where, you know, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Why in the world would God call Philip out to the desert? Because he had a divine appointment. And I want you to know if God calls you to something, I also want you to know that God's going to bring people in your life. A lot of them are going to be believers in those cities that are just going to open up their doors and say, come in. We've actually been praying and expecting you to come into our life. And so what we find here is Paul loving his people. When I came into Pittsburgh, the very first thing that I did was not necessarily get on a street corner and tell people to turn or burn. I, I didn't go into evangelism. I met with pastors. I listened to church leaders. And I started to discover something that was really cool in Pittsburgh is that um, God's been on the move in the city of Pittsburgh long before I got there. And there are some incredible powerhouse churches preaching Jesus. And then I started to look into the city and the narrative in the city. And after the steel industry crash, um, we started to see new industry flood into the city. And I'll never forget this quote. I've written it down here. The mayor, the current mayor of Pittsburgh said this. He said, the bond between Pittsburgh and its people is stronger than steel, but we always have room for one more neighbor. 
If that's not an open door to come plant a church in a city, then I don't know what is. And what I discovered as part of this beautiful narrative in our city is that there were church leaders on top of Mount Washington, where one of our locations is right now, that 40 plus years ago started praying a prayer. God, we want you to be more famous than steel. See, God's at work. Can I just assure you, church planner, when you show up in that city, you're not the only show in town. God's been at work. That's his city. That's not your city. This is his church. This is not your church. And I want to encourage you, number two, to love his people. Start there. and See how God's going to bless you through the church that's already established in the city that God's called you to plant. A, P, pursue his call. L, love his people. A, announce his gospel. Check out verse four and verse five. What is Paul doing? He's not just editing a brand new website. I ain't got nothing. I got no problems with websites. We've just launched a new website. If you want to check it out, bcmovement.com. Like, we just launched, there's nothing wrong. Websites are great, especially now when we're doing all this work online to preach Jesus. But what is the purpose of a website? To preach Jesus. <laughs> Not to promote you. It's to promote the gospel. And in verse 5, it says that Paul was occupied with preaching the message and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So let me go back to what Sin Network's all about. If you're around Kevin Ezell, he will say this 50 times in one conversation. This is all about the gospel. And, and if I can just be honest, there's too many guys that are somehow thinking that they can go and plant churches without preaching Jesus. We're not in some sort of man-made institution here, and there's no power in our platforms, our Instagram, our ability, our fame. No, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we're planting his church, not ours. The number one mission of every church planter is to preach, to announce his gospel, the fact that he came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Practice saying this, will you give your life to Jesus today? However you wanna say it, will you receive Jesus? Will you give your heart to Jesus? Will you surrender to Jesus? Will you trust in Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus? Announce his gospel. Fourthly, not only announce his gospel, but in navigate his plan. Navigate his plan. What happens? Well, Paul shows up, he preaches, and everybody loves him. They immediately follow him on Instagram. He starts speaking in conferences all over the country, and he's signing people's Bibles. That's not what happens. Paul stands up, preaches the gospel, and gets beat up. And as he shakes off his garment, God navigates his plan. And he starts to lead Paul into things that maybe Paul wasn't expecting. I know this is going to be a shock to you, but as I went to go and plant a church in Pittsburgh, I'm not advising this for all church planners. I didn't even create a prospectus. The one prospectus that I did create for all my partner churches, nothing has happened according to those plans. And one of the things that I've learned in church planning is that the most important thing that I can do is be available. Keep my hands open. 
never consider anything in my life as being mine. To always entrust all things to the Lord, saying, Lord, thank you so much for this cell phone. I'm glad you gave it to me. I'm going to be a good steward of it. I'm going to care for it. But anytime you want to take it from me, it's yours. This is what we got to do at church plant. We've got to be married to the mission, but never our methods. And I see too many guys dying on a hill of methodology, not missiology. And our mission is very simple. It's to make disciples of all nations for the glory of God. However you describe it. Uh, we are a movement of truth, love, and community of Vintage Church, and we're all about living the gospel, serving the city, and being the church. However it is. Now, we don't just wing it. We have what we like to call a vintage pathway. Some of this has been because of my good friend Robbie Gallaty and his discipleship pathway that he teaches through Replicate Ministries, and I'm so thankful for Robbie, but he inspired us to think. Some churches call these like growth tracks or whatever else. Ours is very simple. If you'd like to see ours, you can check it out on our website, vintagechurchmvmt.com, or I'd be happy to email it to you. But we have a pathway. And within this pathway, it's the concept of taking someone from who, who doesn't know Christ all the way to coming to know Christ, to growing in Christ, to leading others to know Christ as well, right? So this vintage pathway for us, gather, connect, partner, lead, send. Within that, we have a leadership pipeline. Listen, NAM, Send Network helps you with this stuff, with training. We have L1, L2, L3. It, it equips you because we want to see uh, churches partner together to plant healthy, multiplying churches. We're not talking about winging this, but navigate his plan. At the end of the day, if you're sitting here right now and saying, I have no clue what to expect, I would actually tell you that right now, one of the purposes for COVID-19 is that pastors would actually stop planning and start praying. That's one of the reasons for this whole thing. And so navigate his plan. Don't go to the coffee shop and have your head stuck in your laptop work, working on your website. If you would just open up your eyes, you'll look over to the left and you'll see somebody who's reading a Bible, much like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And this is the very way that God wants you to plant this church, not your stupid website, but through leading one person to Jesus who the Holy Spirit is drawing unto himself. Navigate his plan. I close with this. Teach his word. Teach his word. All right. Teach his word. You can also put this if you want to. Trust his word. Pursue his call. Love his people. Announce his gospel. Navigate his plan. Teach his word. And I just preached this past week, actually, to our church in New Orleans and our church in Pittsburgh. We're still one incredible movement of God, movement of truth, love, and community, but we're multi-city, multi-church. And I preached on this. We are truth. And guys, I shared this, like, emphatically. We have no idea. Who knows what tomorrow holds? But I do know this, that the word of God will be powerful no matter what our future is. And Paul here, after seeing people come to know Christ, keeps on preaching the word. It says there he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And I'm all about creativity. I'm all about all the amazing resources and tools that we have. 
the amazing authors that we have that pour into our lives, but let's stay in the word. Keep teaching and trusting in the word of God that is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. If you teach and preach the word, I promise you, God's word will not return void. And you will plant his church, not yours. Let me pray and then I'm gonna ask Chandler to join us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time today. Thank you for the incredible privilege that we have, Lord Jesus, of being your bride, of being your dwelling place, of being your body. And I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would empower your leaders today to truly plant the gospel, to plant your church for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.